is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman in the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. Vaccines now available across the country. Anybody 12 and older who wants one, almost everyone get a shot within a few miles of home. Plenty of doses, but despite all of that, there are disparities still, especially here in L.A. County. More most black and Latino people have not yet gotten a shot. We'll look into why. One county in Northern California getting serious about checking and verifying vaccination records. We will explain. Farmers have had a rough go of it, too. We'll check in with a farming expert to see how those farmers are bouncing back. Let's start with vaccines and race. Dr. Sandra Hernandez is president and CEO of the California Healthcare Foundation. Doctor, is the gap closing in L.A. County at all like in other parts of the country? I think there are some uh, good indications that it's closing in L.A. County. Uh, there was a, a new uh, Kaiser Foundation analysis today that over the last two weeks, for example, over half of the first doses of COVID-19 vaccines have gone to people of color. Uh, and, uh, you know, Latinos represent about 70% of, pop- of the population, but account for about 24% of the first doses, again, in the last two weeks. So I think there's some promising uh, indications that we are uh, beginning to reach communities that have poor access and who for work reasons and mixed immigration status reasons and just the convenience and availability uh, is limited. And I think we're working super hard uh, to uh, reduce those barriers. Yeah. What more needs to be done? We've, we've talked plenty of times about, you know, you got to go out into the communities. We have all these sites. There's hundreds of them in L.A. County that are, you know, not at Dodger Stadium anymore. So what barriers do you still need to get through? Well, think about it. I mean, um, it's great. Dodger Stadium is great for mass vaccines. Transportation is an issue. Public transit is still, for many people, not safe. Uh, People are just now getting back into jobs and work and to then uh, have to uh, be able to go and get a vaccine and, importantly, to get a second vaccine where people have now heard and know that some people in a second vaccine Uh, feel quite ill for a day or two. Can you, when you've just started back in the workforce, turn around and be able to stay home if you're sick or not feeling well after a second dose? So I think uh, issues like that are, are, uh, are still access issues. There is still misinformation out there. There's no question about that. Um, And, um, and then, you know, we have a digital divide that we are still trying to close. And so, Uh, Where do you get an appointment and how do you schedule that appointment? And if you're on a phone with limited data access or the data got cut off because you didn't pay your phone bill, all those are systemic challenges that uh, we need to just intentionally uh, uh, reduce and overcome. Um, And and I I think in general, um, we should also recognize that we're now reaching out to uh, vaccinate uh, younger people. And uh, really important that, you know, we know from vaccine uh, uh, take up rates that uh, getting a mother to get vaccinated has a lot to do with whether or not you can get a child vaccinated. Yeah, was, so we really I, need to focus on women. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, because we had a, a segment on a few days ago, you know, the issue of parents who are in some cases, they're hesitant to get vaccinated themselves. And so they kind of pass that hesitancy on to their 
children. In other cases, they've gotten vaccinated, but they're still worried about their kids. Uh, How much of an issue is that with parents to convince them that their kids need to be vaccinated despite perhaps maybe their own feelings about it? Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the things that we should look forward to in the next month or two uh, will be uh, what the schools will do. Uh, Because certainly if a requirement, you know, uh, is that uh, children be vaccinated in order to enroll in schools, I'm very confident that uh, whatever hesitancy there might be, that will be overcome significantly uh, in order to make sure that uh, individual young people can enroll in schools. We're also kind of in a race against the clock, right? Because there's still plenty of people moving about right now. Things are pretty open in the yellow tier, but we've got less than a month until it's the you know grand reopening of California. So that's a lot of opportunity to be mixing and mingling. And if you don't have your vaccine, you can find yourself in a you know troubling situation. That's right. I, I think uh, it is a big push between now and the middle of next month. Um, I think the progress that we're seeing in reducing these barriers is very promising. Um, and, um, you know, again, uh, we should be very mindful that uh, we, we not attribute hesitancy as, as some sort of uh, uniform point of view. There are people who are legitimately waiting for these vaccines to be not under emergency use, to actually be FDA approved. Uh, that for a lot of people will mean you know, reducing some of the concerns about, you know, how quickly these vaccines came to market. We really need to listen to folks who who are inclined, but either for access reasons or, or structural reasons or just wanting more information to feel comfortable to vaccinate their kids or to vaccinate, you know, their young daughters, whatever it might be. What sort of misinformation you mentioned that is out there that we could perhaps demystify? Well, I'll give you a concrete example. I uh, I staffed a couple of these vaccine clinics uh, back a month or so ago when we were uh, doing, you know, all day vaccine clinics here in the Bay Area. Uh, and uh, a Latina woman, Spanish woman came in for her vaccine. She's probably, I'm guessing, in her 50, late 50s. Um, you know, we were doing one one patient right after another, very fast pace. And um, she kind of whispered to me, you know, I have an 18-year-old daughter at home. I, 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 you know, it doesn't matter to me that I'm not going to have any more children, but I want to make sure she's not infertile from these vaccines. Should I worry about that? Hmm. And what I said, I pulled her aside because, you know, we were in a, you know, we were moving people through pretty quickly and just stopped to hear her concern legitimately. I mean, what I said to her there is I have an 18-year-old daughter and she came in this morning and she got vaccinated. And I can tell you, we, we wouldn't do that if we didn't think these were safe. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was just looking into her eyes and hearing her legitimate concern. Uh, there are all kinds of misinformation out there. And um, and uh, her daughter came in. Um, so Good. I think, you know, it, it's a very small example of, of what we really need to be able to do is, is not pass judgment uh, and certainly not pass blame. And, and recognize that we, we need to take these uh, these concerns and hear them and address them for, for where they come from. All right. Dr. Sandra Hernandez, President and CEO of the California Healthcare Foundation. Doctor, thanks. Santa Clara County is just south of San Francisco in California. 
It's getting serious about figuring out who is and who is not vaccinated as businesses open back up. Yeah, they want the businesses to determine the status of the workers. It's a requirement now. James Williams, Council of Santa Clara County. So, James, this isn't telling people they have to get the shot, right? It's just asking the businesses, the employers to go and check and then mark it down. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is not um, a vaccine mandate. It doesn't require that people get vaccinated. Uh, What it is, is a requirement that employers find out the vaccination status of their employees. And that's important for a number of reasons, uh, including because a lot of basic safety rules are different if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. For example, uh, if you're a close contact to a case, uh, you do not need to quarantine if you are fully vaccinated. So it, it is kind of a backdoor way, isn't it? to get people to be vaccinated because it can impact, depending upon what you report back to your employer, it can have an impact on on the way you do your job and where you're positioned on your job, that sort of thing. Well, you know, we've got some basic safety rules in place, right, related to COVID-19, just as is true for other things in the workplace. And it's going to be the case that if you don't have the protection of a vaccine, Uh, that there are additional steps that need to be taken to keep you safe and to keep others who might be unvaccinated for whatever reason uh, safe in the workplace. Uh, And so that's important information to have. Uh, It's going to be important for employers to have that so that they can actually adhere to those rules, whether it's the isolation quarantine requirements or uh, what may happen in in the future with face covering requirements, you know, the CDC's uh, guidance around uh, vaccinated versus unvaccinated persons needing to wear masks indoors, for example, um, you know, that what what that will look like after June 15th. Um, you know, those those are going to be very important considerations, and this will help people find out. Uh, we do allow folks to decline to state their status, but then they'll be treated as unvaccinated for those important safety uh, precautions. Is this kind of getting ahead of what the other workplace rules will kind of be as we we move open? You mentioned that there are going to be changes, like you won't have to quarantine yourself if you had a vaccine and you were exposed. But other things, too, like if you've got an office now that's really socially distanced, but you want to bring people back and and get the call center going or have the sales pit like it used to look, if everybody's got their vaccines and you know, then maybe the social distancing requirements kind of fall off the board. Yes, you know, there's some rules in place today. So the quarantine requirement that I mentioned, you know, that's that's uh, in place right now. Uh, fully vaccinated folks don't need to uh, quarantine if they have been exposed to somebody who has COVID-19. Um, but that's obviously not the case if you're not fully vaccinated. And others, I, I think, will be changing. Uh, Cal OSHA has proposed regulations that will be taken up uh, soon that have a lot of things that look different depending on whether you are in an environment where people are fully vaccinated or not. Um, and uh, that's obviously the true for CDC's uh, face masking guidance, which you know hasn't yet been adopted in California, but I think is uh, something that uh, is probably likely to occur. And so I think we'll see more and more of that. It's certainly already true. Uh, this isn't the, for the workplace, but it's already true under California's blueprint rules uh, for events uh, where uh, the, the capacity rules and the masking rules and the social distancing rules look different uh, at events, uh, depending on whether people are fully vaccinated or not. We know that 
the best thing you can do uh, to be safe, the most effective thing is vaccination. And all the data that keeps coming in just makes that more and more resoundingly clear. So I, I'm am I guessing correctly that a, a lot of businesses are probably grateful for the county or county doing this because it kind of gives them cover, doesn't it? Well, you know, I think a lot of folks have been, uh, you know, wanting this. I think, frankly, it's it's going to be also comforting for a lot of employees returning back who maybe haven't been uh, on site uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, but, you know, what we wanted to make sure in part is that there was, uh, you know, that this was happening in a, on a consistent basis throughout the community. You know, we have, we have done great in Santa Clara County on vaccination uh, of our age 16 plus population, over 75 percent with one shot, 60 percent already fully vaccinated. Um, and so, you know, we're doing outstanding as a community. Uh, and, you know, we certainly hope that more folks will get vaccinated. Um, and, you know, this will be an opportunity maybe to help get people some information on that if they're interested. Uh, but, you know, important safety rules are going to turn on it. And, and this will help uh, keep our community safe. It still is a personal decision at the end of the day, though. So I'm wondering, let's say you got an office of 20 people and, and two didn't get the vaccine. And now those two have to say that they didn't or they're mum on the issue, but then they're treated like they didn't. So now those two are way apart from everybody else for obvious reasons. And now they feel ostracized or they get ostracized from the rest of the office. Well, you know, for years, uh, we've had a, 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 a rule in Santa Clara County in the healthcare sector where if you didn't get a flu vaccine, you had to wear a mask. Um, we've had that for, for several years now. Uh, and, you know, many people, of course, get, would get their flu vaccine uh, and some didn't and they would wear a mask. Uh, and, you know, people made that choice, but it helped keep everyone in that environment safer, helped keep uh, employees safer, it helped keep in that context patients safer. And I think that's the goal here, too. It's not to force people to get a vaccine, but it's to make sure that we're keeping everyone safe, whether you've been vaccinated or not. Well, of course, we're a very, as you know, litigious society. Are you taking any bets when the first lawsuit hits you? <laughs> well, you know, I don't ever make predictions about those things. But I'll say that, you know, this is a far cry from anything that's a vaccine mandate. And I also would say, you know, we're not collecting this information as the county. Uh, so businesses and entities uh, need to uh, do this ascertainment for their staff um, and, you know, be able to have those records. But they're not submitting any of those, uh, you know, to us at the county. Um, and we feel quite comfortable with uh, with this as a really appropriate, um, modest uh, step to take uh, and also an important step as we move forward with what we hope is the final stages of this pandemic, fingers crossed. but. You know, with the efficacy of the vaccines, uh, I think we're all, uh, in the words of our own health officer yesterday, feeling optimistic. James Williams, County Counsel for Santa Clara. James, thanks. Coming up after this short break, are farmers recovering too? The hope is that the pandemic is winding down, but when it started, farmers faced several challenges. Delaware Valley University horticulture professor Jacqueline Ricotta talks to KYW's Matt Leon about how farmers are coming out of this. There has been a huge demand for locally grown produce, and I believe that demand is continuing because people are finding that it is a reliable source of food 
at a fair price and that it's fresh and tasty and healthy for everyone. So I think the uh, there's a silver lining to everything that had to be done at the beginning of the pandemic for farms to begin selling their products. What were the biggest challenges of the last year? Because I know we, we spoke to people, supply chain issues, uh, labor issues because of you know the virus and people being taken out of rotation, stuff like that. What were some of the things you were hearing, you know, boots on the ground, the big problems over the last year? So there's always an issue with labor in local agriculture. So that's a consistent thing. Um, But one of the biggest things was farms had to, and I'll use that term pivot that everybody seems to use during the pandemic, but it really was true. They had to uh, change and everybody had to start up with an ordering system. for many of the farms that sold at farmers markets. Um, so that the, rather than you, a customer going to a farmer's market and browsing and picking out their head of lettuce, now the customer had to log in and choose, you know, I'll have three heads of lettuce and I'll have one bunch of beets and I'll have two bunches of radishes. And then many of the farms would package that up. And when you went to the farmer's market, you got a, a, a bag of produce as opposed to choosing what you want. So that was probably the biggest change. And I think many of the farms found that it, you know, it worked fairly well and it kept their con- uh, customers consistently coming back. Um, there also, I think many farms realized they needed to be producing more. Um, the demand is was high during the the pandemic, especially think back to that March 2020 timeframe when store shelves were empty and all we heard about was supply chain. Local producers all had product. Um, One farmer up in Upper Bucks County said his store was busier than it had ever been because nobody wanted to go to the, uh, the grocery store. They wanted to go to a small local market that had produce, local products, and they began stocking some of the daily essentials that people wanted. So for them, it was really an advantage. Uh, and I think that's con- continued because everyone realizes that you can count on these local producers to come through, whereas you can't, you know, you never know from day to day what's going to happen with the pandemic in the grocery store, although it seems pretty good at this point. One of the things that really, you know, I've learned a lot doing all these podcasts over the last year, but I don't think there was anything I've learned more about than farming and agriculture, because I was guilty of being one of those people that it's always on the shelf and I'll get it and I don't think too hard into how it got from A to B. But now I'm fascinated with the whole process. One of the things that was really eye-opening was we talked to a handful of farmers, I don't know, maybe this time last year, and the problem that they were experiencing that I never would have guessed with 100 guesses was with packaging because everything had gone from, you know, half individual, half restaurants and stuff like that. All of a sudden everything was in the individual and they didn't have the packaging available to quote to quote you pivot and it was really causing problems and you never think that stuff's packaged differently for restaurants because it's bulk than it is for uh, for markets and stuff like that uh are was there any problem once you adjust to that coming out of that and getting back to where you were before had you heard anything about that and is packaging any kind of an issue here as we're trying to come out of the pandemic I believe it is because I think that farms are realizing that 
there are multiple revenue streams these days um, that they, you know, there's an increasing demand at restaurants, again, because people realize how fresh and healthy local produce is. Um, And so I think if they've made the change from selling to restaurants and small purveyors to selling to individuals, I think many of the farms are going to continue to do that. And I think there's lots and lots of creative packaging out there. And I think as we open up, farmers markets are going to continue to be an increase in their popularity because it's somewhere that you can go. It's outdoors. It's enjoyable. It's it's on a nice day. It's really fun. Most farmers markets tend to have music and, um, you know, it's just a very good vibe. And so I think that once again, um, local farms are going to continue with the multiple revenue streams and try to increase their production as much as possible because the demand is there. Yeah. To that point, do you think for the most part, people are prepared because I don't see that market that individual market going anywhere. But I think this summer is going to be bonkers for people going out and throwing money at restaurants and stuff like that. So is there any concern that that will they be able to keep up with that demand? Cause I think it's going to be heavy. I agree with you. I think everybody's going to be wanting to go out and there's, we locally, we can always use more farms and more local food. Um, that's one of the things that, really interesting is that it's the majority of the products that we pick up in a grocery store uh, have come to us on average from thousands of miles, you know, California, Florida. Um, There's there's a limited number of local farms. Uh, Certainly the USDA uh, and Delaware Valley University has tried to promote you know, farming as a viable career. Um, And there are grants available and you can become educated and get a college degree in it. But there's always room for more local farms, whether it's produce, whether it's dairy, or whether it's meat. The demand for local grass-fed meat is like through the roof because people are once again, you know, realizing how healthy it is, um, how important it is to support the local economy. and just it tastes better. The Philippines isn't messing around when it comes to vaccines. It's no longer allowing local governments to announce which brand of coronavirus vaccines will be available at inoculation sites. One report says people yesterday lined up outside the Manila Prince Hotel as early as 2 a.m. for a chance to get one of the 900 Pfizer jabs that the local government announced could be given to walk-ins. Now, the mayor says the preference for the Pfizer vaccine may have been why people chose that specific site out of the nearly 20 in the city. Health experts say that people waiting out higher efficacy vaccines, along with rampant misinformation and bad messaging, has led to vaccine hesitancy in the country. It has seven vaccines available. One official says from now on, only people already in line at a vaccination site will be told which shot they'll get And if they don't like the vaccines that are given during that time, then they can go to the end of the line, so they say. This is an Odyssey original. You can find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Stitcher.